Are remote nursing jobs really a thing now in the 21st century? And can you jump on the remote nurse bandwagon? Let's talk all about it with Sadie Glisson of the RemoteNurse.com right here on episode 276 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're disseminating as much high-quality, evidence-based information and expert opinion about the situation as we can in our special bonus COVID-19 episodes. Meanwhile, we still want to support you in your nursing career and personal and professional development, so please enjoy this interview with a rising nurse leader who brings so much to the table, and we're going to touch on the pandemic and some stuff beyond the pandemic as well. Be well, stay safe. Many blessings on you, your loved ones, your colleagues, your communities, and everyone on this troubled yet beautiful planet of ours. Hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I love having you along for the ride. Whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or years, thanks for being part of this growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is always about you and your nursing career and the healthcare world. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, tech, and beyond. And did you know that Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career? That's right. I offer individualized, holistic career coaching for nurses and healthcare professionals around the world. And if you mention you're a listener of the show, you get 10% off your first coaching package. So email me at keith at nursekeith.com and we'll schedule a complimentary consult to explore how we might work together. Now, the show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 276. And today we're joined by dear friend of the pod, Sadie Glisson of the remotenurse.com. My friend, Sadie, welcome to the show. And we're going to jump right into the deep end. Now, please tell us what is it about remote nursing and why now in 2020, in the 21st century, is remote nursing a thing? Well, there's a variety of reasons. Um, first and foremost, in the relevance of right now, COVID-19 is obviously bringing everyone, including nurse, a lot of nurses, uh, to their homes. <laughs> and they are either out of a job, they're kind of uncomfortable with the typical nursing environment right now, whether it be just the workplace or the threat of a virus, or even just like wanting to be you know, with family and, and close by. Um, so that is putting a lot of pressure on nurses who still need to work and they still need employment, but, um, they kind of want to try to transition to home where they feel a little bit more safe. They're with family. Um, but they're still using their skills and they still are a registered nurse or an LPN or whatever credential they've earned. They're still getting that salary. So, but beyond COVID-19, this has been a thing for years. It is gaining traction now, it, aside from COVID-19, um, but it's the same thing. There's a lot of nursing burnout. Um, a lot of people think that going to a remote role might help with that because you're kind of distanced from that environment of, you know, a hospital. And we can talk about later whether or not that's really true or false, if it solves all those problems. But um, it is a motivating factor. And another thing I've found is that obviously we all know a lot of nurses, many nurses are females and many nurses are also childbearing age females who have families at home and want to be with them. <laughs> so it's like a common struggle for all families, men and women, but 
just because nurses are primarily women, it's a big thing for us. Um, so that's also a motivating factor for a lot of nurses wanting to work from home as well. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you just hit on so many things and I want to get to a whole bunch of different things. And I want people to know the show notes are going to be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 276. So Sadie, okay. So you hit on a bunch of stuff. So let's start with burnout. So say you have a nurse who's been working, I don't know, 15 or 16 years, and she's 39, right? She started in her early 20s, went to nursing school, maybe right out of high school. And now she has a couple small kids, like you said. Maybe her partner, husband, or wife is working really hard out of the house, possibly, or maybe they're working from home, right? So what are the benefits in terms of the burnout from, let's say, Let's say she worked in ICU and PCU and she was on her feet 12 hours a day and the physical part of that. And then mm -hmm. there's also the compassion fatigue and just like all the suffering she's been exposed to. Mm -hmm. What yeah. do you think and what do you know are some of the benefits of then maybe like working from home for a couple of years? What have you seen? Yeah. Well, physically, obviously, it's a lot less strenuous. <laughs> Most of these jobs, you're sitting in an office in an office chair, and you're not on your feet all day. Um, so that's obviously, you know, a, a common knowledge type thing. But also, like, just the mental load is a lot different. It's not depleted. It's still a job. You still have a lot of stress and responsibility. It's just a different pace. It's a different type of workload. And you're just a lot of times it's just less, you're just less crucial for life and death, which in itself is just stressful. That's, we all know that, that becoming a nurse is stressful because of that. So a lot of these remote jobs, yes, they have a lot of responsibility, but you don't have such dire results coming from your immediate actions. <laughs> and um, you also, it's just, a, it, it's a slower pace in the sense that you have more of a, of a, an ongoing task where it's not like, here's this patient, they're really sick, they're about to die, basically, and like, hurry, everybody, you know, it's a lot less panic and frenzy in that sense. Mm -hmm. But again, it's still a job, it's still stressful, but it does, it is more of a of a routine pace. I see. And you're away from well, you're away from people. So people can be a little bit draining as well, especially nurses. I think we're a lot, we're very caring people, obviously. And I think we have broad senses for what other people are feeling. So when you're surrounded by people who are sick and dying and, and just other nurses who are burnt out and negative, like it really can weigh a lot on nurses, especially, of course, any people, but nurses in particular. So being remote, you know, kind of diminishes that. Right, right. And you just hit on a bunch of stuff like you hit on the physical part, maybe we could say the psycho-emotional part, the psycho-spiritual mm -hmm. part, like mm -hmm. um, being exposed to a lot of death and suffering. For some people, they can handle that over a long period. For some people, it's like, wow, I am like my, my soul's really tired. Like mm -hmm. I need a break right. from the intensity because what you're describing is that that intensity of let's say acute care or when I did ambulatory care it was also intense. I did hospice. I worked in the inner city with people with advanced HIV and hep C, usually co-infection. And 
I had a lot, I lost so many patients and went to so many funerals and it burned me to crisp, right? So it wasn't acute care, but it was intense and yeah. I knew their families. So there's lots of ways to burn out and you can burn out from school nursing. You can burn out from research. I mean, mm-hmm. and you, can burn you mentioned out from anything. <laughs> anything and you could burn out from remote nursing too. And yep. you mentioned people. Well, some of us are introverts or ambiverts, and maybe we don't want to work in a place where there's, you know, dozens of people around us all the time. It's draining, right? Yeah. So you've been working from home for years, and we'll talk about what you do, but you started in pediatric as a pediatric special needs care coordinator, and it was mostly kids with epilepsy and autism. And then you were in research, you were in pediatric oncology clinical research, and you were a coordinator there. Your husband's an NP in the army, right? Uh, yeah, he's reserved now, but he was active duty a while. He's a psych NP and a family NP. Oh, well, thanks to him for his service on both those sides of civilian and, and uniformed service. So thank him for me. And right now you work from home and what do you do from home? I do oncology data abstraction, which is basically like going through charts and pulling data based on a bunch of different rules and guidelines for what you can and cannot take. Um, I started doing that and then I'm still in that field, but now I do quality control for that. Um, So basically, I'm just checking what other curators are doing, which curators are in our company, our data abstractors. So basically, I check their work. And all of that kind of is used uh, for clinical data sets for research and development, like drug company development. um, And we're using it more so for like real world data instead of like clinical research setting data. So it's kind of a new, new front. But yeah, that's what I do. Cool. Well, that's a data abstraction. Yeah. I actually, this spring, I'm speaking with a group of nurses who do data abstraction in a surgical collaborative here in the United Mm -hmm. States. And they have their own stress and burnout. They used to work mm-hmm. in an office during COVID. They're working each from home and they they feel isolated. So it's very it's all like everyone has a different experience. Like they're burning out on the isolation where some people would be like, oh my God, give me isolation, please. Yes. <laughs> right. So so it sounds like that works for you. And you also have this business called the remote nurse at the remotenurse.com. And you're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and we'll get all those. All those links will be in the show notes so people can find you and reach out to you and meet you and tell you how awesome you are. So <laughs> at the remotenurse.com, what I understand is that you have a job board for remote jobs, not just for N- nurses, but NPs, PAs, and anyone else? Um, nope. Right now, nurses, NPs, and PAs. Okay. That's good. That's a good niche. And yeah. I see, because I follow you on Instagram, that you post jobs and groups of jobs very regularly on Instagram. Yeah. About daily during the about week. Daily. Week, and that's week. Instagram.com forward slash the remote nurse and Facebook the same, right? Mm-hmm. And also LinkedIn. You can find you yep. on LinkedIn, your company page. So people can find you on social and just see those jobs. They can also mm-hmm. go to your website and apply for jobs through the remote nurse. So do you feel like this is going to keep growing? Do you feel like there's there's really a lot of room here? Yeah, I do. Um, 
I, I think right now some people are thinking, okay, well, maybe it it's popular right now because of COVID-19 and everyone's, you know, working from home or wants to. But I started this a year ago and it has grown a lot in that time before COVID-19 mm-hmm. was even a word. Um, so I, I really think that this is growing. I just think that COVID-19 is catalyzing it to a new level that it maybe wouldn't have reached so quickly. And with that, it's just opening up more opportunities. Like lots of companies, lots of doctor's offices even are transitioning to telehealth or even adding that as an option. And now that patients have experienced that, and also now that nurses have experienced that and nurse practitioners and PAs, it's like, I can do some of this from home. So why am I going to go back? You know, I think once you get a taste of it, once patients do, once nurses do, it's like, this is a new way of working. Not everything needs to be done in a physical location that restricts your lifestyle. You know, some, of course, nursing will never be fully remote, obviously. But um, I think it's just a new way of thinking of working and everybody's going remote. And I think including nurses, I don't think there's going to be any kind of decline in this. this opportunity. I think you're right. And it's funny before I met you, cause you and I met over the last several mm-hmm. months, like this in this first half of 2020, actually we met probably after COVID kind of took off. I think yeah. we noticed each other on social or something. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. the path. Yeah. Something like that. And I'm glad you're my new colleague and yeah. friend. So the thing is that even last year, I was starting to see this, like I was starting to notice remote jobs. And some of my clients who were burnt out, I was like, you ever thought of working remotely? And people were like, yeah, kind of. Oh, I have this friend who does like care management for Aetna mm-hmm. or United Health or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's one of the things. So tell me a few examples of other than working doing data abstraction. So there's one thing we've talked about. Can you name a couple other things that you feel like are fairly robust and burgeoning right now? Yeah. What are people doing that you think is really taking off? Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, care management and case management, similar lines, care coordinators too. It's all a similar thing, just slightly different scopes. But generally case management, that is probably the most popular and widely known option to work from home, a lot of the insurance companies hire for them and they they offer fair, good wages. I would say maybe 60 to 70 grand for nurses just starting out in that, which is pretty good. And some people think um, it's kind of low because it depends really on where you're living. So if you're living in California, that might be a really low wage. Whereas if you're working in Florida, that might be a great wage. So that is mm-hmm. one interesting aspect, which we can talk about later. But great. Yeah. Case management, you basically have a caseload of patients and you follow them. You're trying to help them basically coordinate their entire care plan from whether they're in the hospital, they're outpatient, they need DME supplies, meds, they're having issues with their insurance, whatever. You're kind of just that go-to person um, to help them navigate that. I see. Now, let's break down care management, case management, and care coordination a little bit since it's Mm -hmm. the most well-known and popular and people do ask me about those. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to start sending them to you, obviously, for more questions. But do some of those nurses work with specific types of populations and are others working with very broad patient populations? What are you seeing in that particular realm right now? 
Yeah, I would say case management is the most common term. I would say a lot of companies use the terms interchangeably, but I do think there's slight differences. Like a care coordinator might have less um, intensive monitoring of single patients and they may be more like when I was a care coordinator, I had about 300 patients, which sounds crazy, but my duties were a lot more peripheral and I was just helping them get a referral and stuff like that. It wasn't so intensive. Sometimes I think case management might be a little bit more in depth per patient. So you may have less patients. Okay. That makes sense. So that that's one difference, but a lot of companies use the the terms interchangeably. Really, care manager, case management. What about disease specific? Like, mm-hmm. would an insurance company perhaps hire a nurse and say, "Okay, you're going to carry 150 type one and type two diabetics, and you're going to really focus on our diabetes population and keep their A1Cs as low as possible, et cetera. Is there disease specific stuff happening? Yes. Yes. Tell me more about that. Yeah. A lot of the case management is more generalized, but there are specialized case managers for, like you said, diabetes. I've seen even renal, well, any transplant case managers who follow kind of the transplant process. I've seen NICU, uh, neonatal case management, women's health, like pregnancy case management. Pretty much any specialty has has a case management. Those are the types I've seen most often, but I'm sure they exist for many different specialties because you do want a nurse who, for those people, like you do want a nurse who's very versed in that specialty. It's really hard to just throw a nurse into a huge pile of patients that are really intensive. You know, you want them to be, to be knowledgeable in that. Right. Like if you're going to carry some patients who have HIV, mm-hmm. you have to have some level of expertise and understand the genotyping, the phenotyping, the mutations, mm-hmm. the medications, the cocktails, the, the opportunistic infections. That's mm-hmm. stuff I used to do back in the early 2000s. So, all right. So, would it be advisable, say a nurse really knows a lot about diabetes, she's like, she is a diabetes expert, mm-hmm. and maybe she's also a certified diabetes educator, giving her that little bit of an edge. Could she actually go out there in the remote job marketplace and market herself and maybe even find a job doing diabetes case management from home? Is that possible? Yeah, for sure. They're a little bit harder to find. Um, They're not every day that I see those, but definitely I have seen them, um, especially if you just create like a job search with diabetes in there or some type of endocrine or something, something with that. There's a lot of different job type searches you can do, but Um, Yeah, I would say that there's also a lot of different options, not even just case management for like a diabetes focused nurse, you could you could do patient education. Um, I've even Mm -hmm. seen medical supply uh, call lines where it's like troubleshooting if a patient's having an issue or even like a provider or a nurse is having an issue with with a insulin pump or something like that. That's also another route there are Yeah, there's different things you can do. which it's actually very interesting. If you just look in like a job board for these types of words, you're like, wow, I did not know that job even existed. Really? This is awesome. So you mentioned medical supplies. So I've known nurses, of course, who, you know, go out to train staff on the use of new stuff, or they go out and, and help market 
new agents or medications and things. So we know people do that. Can these sorts of things be, actually be done remotely, like even troubleshooting machinery and, and pumps, mm -hmm. like you said? Yeah, um, some of them, it's a mix. I've seen some that appear to be 100% remote. It's basically like a call line, a call center for on-demand troubleshooting. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also ones that are partial remote. So maybe it's home-based, which is another word for just remote. Um, most of it's remote, but you also have some travel aspects of going to sites for like an initiation or training. Um, and then maybe the rest or follow-up or whatever is home-based. So that there's a mix of options. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. Now, we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, I want to dig a little deeper about things that I know people are wondering about, like what kind of hours will I work? You know, how hard is it to be at home working? And, you know, what if my cat's really bothering me? Stuff like that. And we know Mikey was just bothering you and George was just bothering me. So it's a thing. Um, let alone the husbands and wives and children and the dogs. So, yeah, we're focusing on cats. So we'll be right back for the second half of the Nurse Keith Show, episode 276. Nurses, be a part of something greater. This episode of The Nurse Keith Show is sponsored by University of Maryland Medical System, who are committed to supporting their community, patients, and employees during this unprecedented time. They are actively seeking dedicated nurses for permanent positions throughout their 16 hospital system in the greater Baltimore area, as well as a float pool to treat COVID-19 patients in field hospitals and pop-up medical facilities. When you join the nursing team at UMMS, you're doing more than simply providing care to the community. You're embarking on a journey of personal and professional development with unparalleled opportunities to advance your skills and enhance your clinical practice. At UMMS, they foster a collaborative environment built on a culture of teamwork and mutual respect. Their nurses take pride in caring for their patients and celebrating each other's contributions, and they recognize and reward their dedication to patient-centered care. To join their team of healthcare heroes, please visit ummscareers.org. That's ummscareers.org, the University of Maryland Medical System, an equal opportunity employer. I thank UMMS from the bottom of my heart for their generous support of The Nurse Keith Show. All right, welcome back to the second half of this episode. Remember the show notes where you can learn all about Sadie Glisson and the remotenurse.com are going to be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 276. And we are back, of course, with friend of the pod, Sadie Glisson. And so we were talking about all these different types of jobs, like doing troubleshooting for say a new Bluetooth IV pump that nurses are starting to utilize in certain acute care centers. We talked about uh, case management, care management, care coordination, and the subtle nuanced differences between those. And we've talked about all these other things. And you mentioned that there's disease-specific care management and case management, like transplant, diabetes, NICU, women's health. So some of the burning questions, I can just hear audiences screaming at their computer or their phone right now, right? They're screaming like, well, what kind of hours am I going to work? Am I going to work 12-hour shifts? So what are you seeing in terms of first hours? What are they working? When do they work? And how many hours a week do they work? 
Um, a lot of these remote jobs are more of the office type hours. So Monday through Friday, eight to five. A lot of them also offer kind of like a, a, a time span. So their working hours are eight to eight, but you could pick an eight hour shift in between those. So maybe seven to three or mm-hmm. nine to five. I can't math, but you, you know, so you could maybe. I get what you mean. Pick your schedule within that range. But yeah, I would say the majority of them are Monday through Friday, eight to five. There are some 10, 10 hour shifts where you could do Monday through Thursday. I know a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And then there are other jobs who, that are more um, part-time or PRN, where either you have some set hours during the week, maybe like a four-hour shift on Monday, or even there's nights and weekends uh, options like telephone triage. That mm-hmm. one has a lot of... Triage, yeah, yes. That's another big okay. one um, that has a lot of nights and weekends availability, a lot of part-time and PRN op- opportunities. So that's one I recommend for people who still want to keep their normal job, their day job, and maybe just add something on the side. Mm -hmm. But those can also be full time. Or maybe someone who only, right, or maybe, sorry to interrupt, or maybe someone who just, maybe they have a disabled spouse or elderly parents Mm -hmm. living with them, and they can only work during the hours when, say, they have hired caregivers coming in to take care of that disabled family member, right? Yes. Yes. Or even kids. Or kids. Some some yeah. nurses want to be stay-at-home moms, but they also want to make some money on the side or, or keep up their skills. I've even had some people just need to keep up their nursing hours for their license. So oh. they just get kind of a work-from-home PRN job, and that's that satisfies it. So, oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. So some are business hours, and we just talked about how there's flexibility. Now, Someone might say, okay, if I'm going to do triage and I'm licensed in Arkansas, do I have to live in a compact state and only do triage for patients who are in a compact state? Or are things a little looser these days? What's going on with that? Right now for COVID-19 type times, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more loose, but in general, And I don't know if this is going to change, but right now, what I would recommend people feeling like is going to be true for them after this is that, yeah, if you have a a license in one state, you should only be kind of doing your nursing skills with a patient in that state. Or if you also hold a compact license in that state, then any of the compact uh, state patients, you can also take them. Right. Which is about... Is it about 28 states right now? Yeah, 26, 28, something like that. Yeah, we're not to 30 yet. And I live in New Mexico, which was an early adopter of the compact. How's North Carolina? Are you part of it? Yep, we're a compact. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, luckily around our area in the Southwest, we've got New Mexico, Texas, Colorado, is it Colorado? We've got a few contiguous states that are part of it. California is not, Massachusetts not. So mm-hmm. it's it's a thing. And I hope we can eventually get to 50. That would be really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like between New Mexico and Texas, there's lots of people who live near the border and travel back and forth. And if we didn't have the compact, it would be much harder. Yeah. So if you're looking at an employer and an employer is looking at you, my assumption is if there's a licensure issue, the employer is going to be on top of that. Is that generally true? Or do you have to watch out that you're applying for the right job? Um, a lot of the job postings, well, I won't say a lot. 
in my opinion, a lot of the job postings are unclear and they need to kind of fix that, which I'm going to work on eventually. But um, a lot of them do specify which states you need to be licensed in. And they'll say specifically Arizona license or they'll say North Carolina license or compact license. Or maybe they require you to have a compact license. Got it. Some of them, if you just live in a compact state, they'll be a little bit more flexible and let you apply for the compact license. Uh, so it depends. A lot of the the postings will tell you, but some of them are just very vague. <laughs> and that's kind of part of the problem. That's how it's so hard finding these jobs because you're not really sure where it's located or where you can be located. It doesn't really specify. Mm-hmm. Um, so in those cases, I would just kind of, if it says RN license and it doesn't say what state, I would apply. I mean, Uh And if they need it specified, then maybe they'll realize that their postings are inaccurate. But (laughs) Right. Or you can try to reach a recruiter and say, hey, I have an Arizona license. Can I apply for this job? Yeah. So it sounds like a little due diligence goes a long way Mm -hmm. because you might not want to waste your time applying for a lot of jobs that you actually can't work at. Right. And it sounds like some of the employers aren't quite doing their due diligence and making it clear. Yeah, which I don't know if they don't realize it. I would think they have to because they're getting all these unqualified applicants, but I don't know. Some that's part of the problem. That's part of the reason actually I created the job board so that I could kind of figure those things out and tag those with the certain states and everything that's on there. And I have like a system of reaching out to some of the people in the companies and being like, uh, this posting is very unclear. Like, can you help me specify who I'm asking? needs this job and they're like oh well yeah sure of course they just don't realize like yeah or a lot of times even like the hr department they're not medical people they're not nurses and sometimes that company doesn't only hire medical people so they don't even realize like that they're going to be getting a bunch of applications from all these states you know so it's that maybe oh they don't even know right they They, maybe it's unclear to them they're just they need they don't know what they don't know yeah until they kind of get them and they're like oh wait (laughs) Actually, like, half of these qualified right. yeah, applicants are not. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of applicants, we talked about nurses who, what did you say, who want to be stay-at-home moms or dads, for instance, and want to have flexible hours or work, work the hours while their kids are at school, if they ever go back to school, yeah. or they want to work nights or weekends or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what about, well, we talked about burnt out nurses who just need a break from actual bedside care, which I can totally understand. Now, what about nurses with disabilities? Like say we have, I don't know, a nurse who's my age or older, late 50s. I'm 50, I'll be 50, how old will I be? 56 this summer. Let's say we have a 60-year-old nurse who maybe she has really bad arthritis and she really can't do like nursey nurse work anymore, but she really wants to work another seven years. Are there openings for people with, I'd assume, who are older, experienced, but just maybe aren't even, they're just not physically capable of doing nursing work. Are you seeing that happening? Yeah. um, That's actually a big proportion of my community is either aging nurses or nurses who are even retiring and they don't want to fully retire. They they still want to do a, a nursing type job, just a little bit less physically demanding. Um, so yeah, they are available. I will say honestly that 
I believe that age discrimination is very rampant in these jobs. I think mm-hmm. that with the remote nursing, it's kind of like, well, it's very computer based. And I think a lot of bias goes into that. So what I've seen is that it's actually a problem for nurses who have 20, 25, 30 years experience, which equates to being a certain age. Uh, so just being completely honest, it's a problem. Um, it's a, it problem a problem in every everywhere. field. Yeah. Okay. So when, when I work with older nurses and they're still in the fray, I often say, well, if you're going to be in the job market, you've got to display your tech skills up front, like on your resume, in your summary, and you should have a professional summary with your highlighted skills at the top of your resume, just saying. (laughs) Um, If you know how to use EMRs, if you're really computer savvy, if you know HTML, Mm -hmm. if if you're an epic super user, like blast that out on a billboard on your resume, right? Yes. Yeah. I would say that's a good idea for sure. Okay. Now, when you apply for one of these jobs, do they ask about your tech skills? Um, Do they have a quiz? Like how do they, how do they try to elicit information from you about what you know? Yeah. um, There's a variety of different ways. Some don't even mention it. at all, surprisingly. It's like not even mentioned. It's just almost assumed or something. Um, But some do have either a little quiz um, that they'll send you once you've submitted your application. They'll send like maybe an automated thing that says here, please fill out this Word or Microsoft Office kind of skills test or a typing test. Um, I've done one Mm -hmm. of those. And yeah, so there'll be quizzes. Others will just ask you maybe yes or no questions. Do you have experience in this program, this program? Have you ever been a EHR super user? Stuff like that. Um, but a lot of them will just specify it in the in the job description itself and and hope that you have those qualifications and don't really test you on it maybe until until the interviewing process or never. <laughs> right. So someone listening right now to you might think, okay, so I, I should expect that I might get some quizzes or tests to test certain skills, maybe, or maybe a questionnaire or something. And for these jobs, since they are remote online jobs, do you find the applications are generally all electronic and do some preclude even needing a resume or do a lot of them have a space for you to actually upload a resume and a cover letter? Yeah, I would say almost 100% that I've seen are electronic. Um, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, almost all. I don't think I've even <laughs> seen one that has a paper option. Maybe sometimes like just email a, a resume. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, okay. It, do some of them say just email resume and cover letter to mm-hmm. info at yeah. thisremotejob.com or something. Yeah. Now, do do a lot of these online applications have a place for someone to upload a resume or document supporting documentation? Yeah, they'll have a... Almost all of them have a space to upload your resume. Um, what can get mm-hmm. a little cumbersome is some of them also want you to re-emphasize what you've done by retyping it all out. <laughs> I oh don't gosh. know why. I've seen um, that. But some of them, once you upload your resume, it'll try to pull from that resume to fill in those gaps. But it's not always mm-hmm. beautiful. It's not always pulling the right things. So the yeah. application process can kind of be tedious, I would say, sometimes. But yeah, there is always a spot to upload your resume for sure. Okay. Yeah. 
Good to know. Because there are jobs, like there are jobs advertised on LinkedIn that use the LinkedIn easy apply yes. option where your LinkedIn profile actually is your application and your resume. And that's why I say, make sure your LinkedIn profile is really kick butt because if it's not, you're going to miss out on opportunities. Yes. And I teach people how to do that because LinkedIn's a thing and a lot of people leave opportunity and money on the table because they're like, I don't do social media. And I'm like, well, this is more than social media. It's a job board. It's um, it's a search engine. Yeah. It's actually a search engine disguised as social media. Yeah. Like, the social part is secondary, really. Yeah. And it's a great networking platform. It's, it's built awesome for networking. networking you know, like it's not weird to just message someone that you don't know, a recruiter, and say, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm interested in your company. Like that's not weird. That's the purpose. So that's why it makes it so like comfortable to yeah. use. Exactly. And just so someone listening, if you don't know this, on the back end in the privacy settings of your LinkedIn profile, there's a little toggle switch that will actually flag your profile so that recruiters notice it and they get flagged that you're looking for a job. Just saying, yeah. there's some really cool things there. But if you're looking for remote jobs, please go to the remotenurse.com instead because we want to support Sadie Glisson. Yeah. LinkedIn, you know, Microsoft owns them. They're awesome. But Sadie's awesomer. So we want to send people to <laughs> I, yeah. Sadie. I definitely use LinkedIn after my job board. Um, but yeah, right. no, LinkedIn. I, I'm on LinkedIn every day. So yeah, so am I. Yeah. So here's a question for you then. So we talked about tech skills and people, you know, knowing how to use all sorts of stuff that they can use to sell themselves. So here's a couple tech related questions just because we're on that kind of that bent right now. When you upload a resume to one of these, I generally tell people it's better to upload a PDF than a Word doc because a Word doc, you know how in Word, if you're writing something that Word thinks is wrong, but it's actually correct, mm -hmm. but it puts a little blue line or something under it, you don't want your resume to appear before somebody with all those little Word things that have been inserted, you want it to look clean and crisp and beautiful. So do you recommend that your clients and people upload a PDF rather than a Word doc? It really depends. I've heard mixed things like with the PDFs, I've heard they maybe aren't as great for like the applicant tracking system, like really? finding words sometimes. But then I've also heard similar things with Word documents. If they're formatted a certain way, it doesn't like the way they look. So Oh, I would gosh. say visually and from like a recruiter standpoint, if I was an HR person, I kind of want a PDF because that's, yeah. that's like, well, it's like having a piece of paper. It's not like some scratch document. It's a portable document file, right? right? Or portable document format, something like that. So it's supposed to look the same no matter what machine you're using, yeah. no matter what word processing yeah. software you have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's a lot of different resources online about what might be better for your purposes. Um, if if mm -hmm. you're applying to a job that has thousands of applicants and you're really focused on the applicant tracking system and not getting booted from that, then you may want some simplified format. I might, I, I feel like Word documents might be the best for that purpose just mm. for the applicant tracking. I'm not 100% confident on that. Me neither. But Me neither. So that's something that's I, I, I have a plan to look up more. Um, 
But okay, well, let's talk about that. When tell me when you find out something, <laughs> well, and I'll I'll tell you too. Yeah. Now, let's talk about applicant tracking systems. So when I talk to people about their resumes, I always say, well. First, we're going to assume that a real live human being with eyes is actually going to read this resume. So let's make it pretty. Let's have lights of lots of negative space so their eye has a choice, has a chance to rest. Let's not cram it all onto one page and make it so dense that the person just goes cross-eyed and throws it in the recycling bin. Yeah. Right. Now, what's your take? Like, what percentage of jobs out there just I'm not going to quote you on this, and no one's going to hear this anyway, so don't worry. No, thousands of people are going to hear <laughs> yeah. this. Three people and a cat. No. Right. Do you think a large percentage of applications and resumes are now read by bots and not like by real human beings? I think that for a lot of the remote jobs in particular, I do think that they are read first by a bot um, just because mm -hmm. they have so many applicants for these jobs. Okay. Some of the ones maybe at a local hospital, that's a in-person job that's only going to have maybe 30, 50 applicants. That might be just going right right to the HR person. Okay. So I would say they do get read by machines. A lot of them get read by machines first, but once they make it past that, then of course they're going to be seen by a, a human who makes decisions. So it is important to make sure your, your resume at least follows the format and the keywords kind of of that job posting, um, just so it, it kind of matches up. So you you want to make sure like if you're using a certain word for a certain skill, you're you're looking on that that job description and saying, Oh, actually, I think I'm using the wrong word that they don't like. And so that will kind of help you match more with those systems so that you can be seen <laughs> by a person. Thank you. You just vindicated me. Oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, Sadie agrees with me. Yeah. I always tell people when you see an ad, if you have the wherewithal printed out on your printer, if you have a printer, grab a highlighter, highlight the keywords. Like what are they looking for? What do they say is absolutely required? What's preferred? Like if it says Spanish language preferred, if you speak Spanish, speak to that, mm -hmm. like go for what's preferred and highlight that you have something that maybe another candidate doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I also say like, speak their language. Yes. And you just vindicated me and corroborated that. Now, yeah. speaking of vindication, <laughs> I was just on your website looking at um, one of the pages here where you actually have a video with Amanda Guarnier of the Resume RX. Yes. She is like my go-to for resumes. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you she's I she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, she and I collaborate. Like she's been on my show yeah. and you can go on my website and purchase some of her templates. Yeah. And some of my clients, like I don't do those pretty really contemporary templates. I just do a straightforward linear resume. Yeah. So with my clients, I help them do the copy and then we design like your normal Word doc resume mm -hmm. and then they can go to the resume rx through my website yeah. or just her website yeah. and buy a template and then plug that data in yeah so amanda sometimes consults on some resumes where i'm having a little bit of trouble so she does lean in and help with some and we may have some more collabs coming up so you and me and amanda we're we're kind of like 
we have a nice little little community going yes, here. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, she's very help. She's even helpful to me for obviously for some of these. I don't know <laughs> because my focus is the remote jobs. I have to be more knowledgeable on some resume things, but I oftentimes I'm like Amanda. Help me. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I lean on her too sometimes because there'll be a little piece that I think, man, Amanda would really understand this nuance of a resume or an application. And right. I'm not, I'm a little, I'm a little unclear about this. So she and I have a nice back and forth. We, yeah. we talk frequently and she's been on my show and I just got this beautiful card in the mail from her because I did a presentation on LinkedIn for her, her tribe. And <laughs> She's just a lovely person. Yes, she's and awesome. Her, one of her children just messed up one of her her devices, and we were we were going back and forth yesterday. And she was like, "Man, these kids." <laughs> anyway, I feel bad. And I said, "Well, if, I was like, if child labor is a thing, get that kid to work work that device, <laughs> the price of that device off." Right. They could probably figure it out before we could. Those darn kids. I think her kids are four or something. Still, they're probably smarter at the tablets than I am. Yeah, her kids are. <laughs> Yeah, I believe older than yours. Your yep. son is two. Yeah, almost right? two. Yep. And are we able to talk about something else that's happening in your life right now? Um. Yeah. Depending when this show comes out. <laughs> but <laughs> it'll yeah. be out soon. It'll be out in July of twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. 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 So what's your news? I am actually share? pregnant with my second baby, so I'm going to have Yay. a infant soon. <laughs> Wow, and yeah. that's I believe you're somewhere around Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yep, Christmas. Right oh, around Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Nice. COVID baby. Okay. I'm one okay. of many. <laughs> I'm sure we'll yeah, be finding out very soon. <laughs> People isolated at home. Maybe <laughs> be a COVID baby boom, really. It, we'll I fully believe that's happening. I, I really do. Yeah, your your son or daughter will be like, Yeah, I was I was conceived during COVID nineteen. <laughs> My parents had nothing else. What do. else? Yeah. Anyway. Why not? Right. Well, we digress. Yeah. So before we finish up, this is so fun. I could talk to you for hours, but <laughs> I want to make sure that people know, you know, they can go to the remote nurse.com, Facebook, the remote nurse, Instagram, the remote nurse, LinkedIn, the remote nurse, and then we'll have your personal LinkedIn mm -hmm. on in the show notes as well. And you have a YouTube channel with that one video so far, <laughs> yeah. so people can stay tuned for that. Yeah. And you have a Facebook group. Tell oh, us about the Facebook group. Yeah. What's going on out the there? The Facebook group, I actually have two. One is for nurses, remote nursing jobs. Um, and then I also have one for nurse practitioners and physician assistants. And that one's remote NP and PA jobs. Um, but the remote oh. nursing jobs is the most active one. We have about, I think now, like 27,000 people on there just Whoa. wanting to find remote jobs. <laughs> it's insane. Which it's just a testament to the fact that this is growing huge, you know, like remote nursing, telehealth, just working from home in general is just becoming a new nor normal. So on there, um, I put well on every social media, I post jobs almost daily, weekly, every day, daily, every day of the week, uh, weekday, yes. sorry, work week. Man, word. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but on there, it's a lot more of a community. There's a lot more dialogue and discussion, and members post on there a lot more than I do. So we have so many conversations and questions, questions about companies, questions about pay and salary, and and what you should ask for, and what companies will give you, and how state licensing works, and all that stuff. So it's a lot more Great. informative as a community. 
Um, if you ask a question, any given post has 10, 20, 30 nurses commenting on there, whether they work remote, they have worked remote, or they're wanting to work remote. It's just really helpful. I've actually learned a lot from that group in itself. And that's where actually this whole thing started was that group. So. Oh, that's really wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of benefits to joining the group and people, I, I see that on your Instagram right now, there's early alert jobs membership. So there's a limited wait list in some spots. And maybe by the time this airs, that one might be closed. Maybe there's another one. So is that where people pay a fee and then they're getting alerts before these go out on social media? Yeah. So uh, we created this just because there's a lot of nurses in this group. Um, and so when a job posting goes out, there's a lot of applicants right away. Um, so we kind of created this as more of a safe cove for those jobs to be kind of more, not secretized, but um, given early access to people who are willing to kind of be more involved. And so I, I find these jobs and I kind of compile them and then we share them to the early alert jobs members and they get those for about a week. Um, and then the week later, I share it out to everyone. So everybody, whether you're paid or free or whatever you want to be, everyone gets the same information. It's just a difference in timing. Great. So that's okay. basically what that is. Yep. Good. Okay. Good to know. So people need to head to the website. They're going to follow you on social. They can join the group for free. Mm -hmm. And then they can also join this early alert if they really are hot to get a job and they want to know about it like ASAP. Yeah. Right? Before the, the masses of our, of our community. Before the masses. <laughs> and now if they go to the remote nurse.com, you also have a mailing list, I believe that you can sign up. Yeah. For. It should, uh, it should pop up within five yep, seconds. Just popped up. Yep, <laughs> so just popped you up. can sign up there and I'm, I'm getting a little bit more active on the email list. I'm going to be sending more jobs through the emails so people don't have to like track social media all the time. So, um, Got and it. just upcoming okay. things I'm making more resources and company lists yeah. and stuff. People don't know where to start. So I don't, I live in Arizona. What companies hire? It's like, well, that's yeah. a really long story. So I'm trying to make right. some more lists and downloads for people to just know exactly where to go. What companies Good, to look Sadie. for. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, I look forward to, you know, our continued allyship and new friendship. Yeah. And I hope to have you back on the show maybe later this year, early 2021, to talk about how things are changing still. Because, yeah. you know, COVID is going to be hanging out for the winter. Yep. So let's kind of see what happens with remote jobs. I think it's going to keep kind of taken off I personally. Do I do. And I think the remote nurse.com is going to take off. And maybe I just had a brainstorm. Maybe you and I and Amanda could do a show together yes. and really talk like, remote nurse resumes and how to really prepare your brand for the remote world. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to text Amanda as soon as we're done here. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sadie. You are the best. And um, I'm so glad we met each other and that we can share all this great information for people out there who might want a remote job. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show. And remember the show notes where you want to find 
out all about Sadie Glisten and the remotenurse.com are going to be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 276. I hope you feel empowered and uplifted from this episode, and I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction and your career development. And remember, if you need personalized holistic career coaching, look no further than nursekeith.com and you get a 10% discount off your first coaching package if you mention you heard the show. And did you know there are job listings and other resources over at nursekeith.com? That's right. You can find Reload, Trusted Health, ZipRecruiter. And if you want a remote job, please head to theremotenurse.com because that's where you're going to find those. And the Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. Thank you, Rob. And Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. And like I always say, Thanks for keeping me on the straight and narrow. I couldn't do what I do without you two, Mark and Rob. I'm grateful to you both. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the awesome Sadie Glisten bidding you adieu from Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville. Thank you, Sadie. And we will catch everybody on the flip side. <laughs>